My name is Optimus Prime. We are autonomous robotic organisms, but you can call us Autobots. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Once you rest well in a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Inside Your Screen Podcast Bite Size, where we're talking all things Snowpiercer. This is episode seven, and a title that I actually think is uh, probably the best title of the series so far, The Universe is Indifferent. Yes, whereas last week's episode, we had all the action of the Poseidon Adventure or the Terran Inferno, uh, this episode came across more of a kind of Game of Thrones chess pieces being moved across. Uh, I'm here with my fellow co-host, Brennan Horgan. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, thank you, Tony. How are you? I'm not too bad. We're we're a lot less hot than last week. We're more, we're more cooler. It's nice, yeah. It's lovely. It's nice. Uh, not so much that we want to put our hands outside of the Snowpiercer train, uh, but, you know, cool enough. Cool enough, I think. Yeah, this week I don't want to be on Snowpiercer. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff going on. Let's get into it. Um, so we have the introduction by LJ. Uh, she's talking about how people's schemes and plans are relevant, essentially, in, in the scheme of things. And she is the person that says the universe isn't different. And I think that kind of comes up a little bit later on in the uh, in proceedings. Um, but we we basically uh, there's a few things going on. But there's more, as I said, there's more like chess playing going on this week. There's more like Melanie's making her moves. Uh, Leighton's making his moves. There's a lot of light stuff going on in between or behind the curtains, so to speak. Uh, what were your thoughts, Brendan, of the episode? Yeah, there is a lot going on um, in the episode. Like you said, lots of chess pieces being moved. It's almost, even though there's a lot going on, like you said, it's not. it wasn't as action-packed as last week. And I think this was kind of like almost like the calm before the storm. Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely. Type show like you mentioned Leighton is kind of on a mission to you know he he's full-blown full-scale planning the rebellion the revolution yeah the revolution is coming and they want to do it sooner rather than later well he's been pinned into a corner really hasn't he like you know if he gets caught by any of Melanie's goons then he's going back in the drawers um, he can't really. He doesn't have access to much of the of the Snowpiercer, so he has to. He has to kind of make his play now. And but the thing that he has, the the information that he has, is is you know incendiary. It's like it's it's that kind of like um, Mr. Wilford isn't doesn't exist or is not alive, um, which could break the whole construct of the train, the whole microcosm of the train thus far. He could break it down with just literally those three words. He isn't real. Um, and we see that to a certain degree in this episode. Um, but there was also like, you know, the last episode we were talking about Miles and like how he would play into, you know, uh, proceedings. And we kind of get a bit more of a chunk of that this episode um, where, you know, Melanie's using Miles really as leverage, but also at the same time, is she using him to kind of, um, you know, play against him in that respect? Like she uses the word sacrifice a lot in this episode and she uses a lot of the fact that you know she's bringing she's fast tracking him to be an engineer and what that remains uh, what that pertains to is like sacrifice um and we see that in this episode we see we do see a, a human sacrifice i guess if you will uh, but we'll get into that in a bit 
Um, but there is a power play. There's a power play going on between Melanie and between Leighton. Uh, and whereas Melanie is sort of taking, you know, uh, guards and she's, you know, interrogating and she's like, you know, seeking things out. Leighton has been more proactive in the kind of respect, as I said there, like, you know, he's kind of like put up against a corner and he has to get the third class. He has to get Miss Audrey, all the kind of people that, you know, she trusts and give them the truth and see how that reacts to invoke uh, revolution, essentially, yeah. Yeah, it's like a contrast. So you've got Melanie, who's almost doing an investigation, so to speak, and mm, uh, mm. you've got Leighton now trying to, like you said, trying to pull the different factions together from the different classes in the train to, to kind of start his rebellion. I have a slight question. Um, Go on. So we have our scene where kind of Leighton has the different representatives of the, the different classes. The I'm guessing third class, yeah. Third class, second class. They, there wasn't anyone from first class. The tail was obviously he's the representative of the tail. Oh, no, so, first class wouldn't demean themselves to come down to, you ab- know. Absolutely. Um, but um, it, I wasn't 100% sure because of the way it was edited are we going on the perception that Leighton has told these people about Melanie? Was Did I miss that? Was it something that could... But I do remember afterwards, it was something that just crossed my mind and I was kind of like, did they cut away from that? Did, or there did was, they actually yeah. show... But, but I mean as in specifically, did they oh, no, show yeah, Leighton right. saying the no, words or was it like, he, I'm about to tell you a big secret and then they exactly cut away? That, exactly that. He basically turns around and says, like, I'm going to tell you something... But I think deep down you already know, and they yeah. cut to yeah. the next scene. So the, the perception is that he does tell them, but we're not hundred percent sure. Because he could have told them. By the way, they're keeping this four. One of the secrets could have been this. There's four hundred people in the drawers. They're keeping people in the drawers. I don't know why, but they're yeah. they're keeping. It might not be Melanie. Wilf, Mr. Wilford isn't there, basically. I, I think you've kind of like you've alluded to something that is like that narrative kind of like aspect where you know the sort of subtext where the audience thinks that you're going to say something and then you say something completely different because they Snowpiercer isn't really much of they don't do flashbacks or anything like that. So I would likely assume that he told them the truth, however, if for a narrative purpose, if it serves something later on, i.e. Melanie, I think it's going to, I don't know, you've just opened a bit of a can of worms there, Brendan, because like I kind of do think that you're right. He may have just told them, you know, people are in the drawers, you know, they're doing this thing. He didn't tell them the real truth, um, which then later on, Melanie, knowing the fact that Leighton knows that Wilfred isn't alive, will put herself in jeopardy by saying something stupid at a later point where maybe she's kind of like on track, like she's on a kind double, of like a double bluff type, a thing. double bluff type thing. Yeah, definitely. But there's, oh, you're right. Cause now I'm looking back on the episode, I'm trying to think. Cause yeah, cause Josie tells Melanie, oh, Josie yeah, knows. Um, so we know Josie knows because Josie openly talks about it yeah but the rest i'm of- just trying to think of a specific point where leighton has told someone like terence or something like that and but i can't no actually they yeah you're right they they were very shrewd with the fact of like he hasn't actually said it to anyone yeah it's implied yeah it's heavily implied yeah but we can't go with that implication 
Yeah, so let's not be too surprised. Yeah. Find out that the the rebellion and the all these leaders, so to speak, um Is don't actually, don't know the Wilford secret, because obviously the Wilford yeah. secret is the big secret. So it could be, you know, there's numerous things he could have told them that wasn't that. So let's not yeah. be surprised if, if we have that twist. Mm. And then you have obviously, um, whereas you have like Leighton trying to kind of get like, you know, the kind of third class uh, up in arms. Then you've also got the there's first class shenanigans going on as well. So Ruth meets up with the army guy, Nolan. Um, Ruth's, yeah, Ruth's day off. Ruth's day off. She gets a day off. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what does she do with that day off? It, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really say what. What do you do with your day off on Snowpiercer? Like, you just like mumbling around. You just going to like certain parts of the carriage where you're like, oh, I'm going to chill out here. I'm going to go to the bowling alley, whatever it is. Um, but she gets a date. Um, you know, with the uh, the scarred Nolan uh, guy. I don't know what you call the security force on Snowpiercer. Are they just called security force or? I'm not sure because they're not like um, brakemans, are they? No. They're kind of more senior. So like is he sergeant? Sergeant? I guess, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been kind of like implied that he's their like army, the head, the head yeah. guy, sort of thing. And yeah, he uh, takes her out on a date, and uh, but then we find out there's um, sort of skewered uh, interests going on with this date, and the, the Folger family uh, come about, and uh, basically their own they're doing their own coup. I guess in the first class, they want Melanie out uh, from the last episode where Ruth took the microphone and gave like an inspirational speech, if you will. Now they, they kind of see where the, where the wind is blown, I guess. And they want Melanie to, to bow out and have Ruth on their side because Ruth is so far that we've understood uh, has been always in the, um, has been always for the first class. Uh, whereas Melanie has always tried to like the, the, the kind of like, um, I guess, if you will, the, the the struggle between Melanie is that she has tried to kind of make everything peaceful between all the cars whilst trying to um, have the duty to the train. Whereas Ruth, that we've seen so far, has been very much first class, doesn't want anything to do with these lower scum, uh, you know, uh, tail enders and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes. And we do see a a slight kind of shift in perception when yeah um, you called it by the way as well you called that last week you you called this oh I yeah, yeah see, the whole yeah see Ruth being in charge of the train um and you also said it was going to be sooner rather than later and mm. it's already the very next episode that you know the pieces start moving in that direction and it's it, it is interesting to kind of to see the change in Ruth. Even in this episode, there's a kind of slight change in her perceptions of things, and yeah, well, she, as a double Wendy, you could see this kind of almost uh, her, uh, her eyes change when it suggested that she could be in charge of the train. You know, she's mm. is that ooh. Well, I, I liked how they do uh, how they dealt with it. Really, it was almost like Athelia. It was like almost Shakespearean in that kind of way. Like um, when she's first approached by the Folger family and by Nolan, uh, she's very much like, "No, what do you? How how dare you? Kind of try." Like you can see that she's like, "Yeah, you can see the kind of wheels turning or the gears turning behind her head," but she you almost like imperceptibly kind of feel like you know she's not gonna. 
um, do any kind of uh, bad things to Melanie because she's, you know, for the duty of the train. But then there's a moment where Melanie basically snaps her. And we've all had that kind of moment, I guess, if you will, where, you know, if you've had like a higher authoritative figure or you've had someone like, say your boss at work or something like that, who's had a bad day um, and they have a go at you and you can see, you can almost see that turn, the turning of the screw, shall we say, where yeah. Rufus goes, oh, okay, no worries. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll do that tomorrow then. And it's like, oh, no, Melanie just sealed her own fate. But obviously, uh, the, the kind of emotional stress that she was under at that precise moment, i.e. interrogating Josie and um, not having a good deal of it, uh, was, was very kind of uh, prevalent there. So, it, yeah, it's, I like the way they dealt with that. Because I immediately thought that Ruth would be up for it. But I like the fact that they've given her a bit of depth um, and that they've said, like, you know, oh, no, that she, actually, her duty is to the train. Although it's skewed towards the first class, um, you do feel like the sense that there's a le- there's another layer now that I kind of saw from this episode from Ruth. Totally. That I, we, that I, got... I kind of, yeah, that I didn't see before. So I like that. Yeah, and we got a bit of a backstory from her. We kind of got the story of how she ended up on the train. You know, mm. she, she had a B and B up in Yorkshire, where she was from, and Mister Wilford visited once again. Yeah, foreshadowing Mister Wilford. Like, yeah. well, I think you said this in the last episode, where there's almost like this Macbeth quality to Mister Wilford, where he's being introduced in such a way from other people's perspectives that when he does arrive. It doesn't really matter when he comes about, whether he may be like the most altruistic kind of person, whether he may be like the most uh, malevolent sort of person. There's this kind of this weird kind of um, substance that's like this mythological creature. Yeah. Yeah. That's being made about him. Totally. That, you know, almost it will be, um, you know, upsetting when we do find like find out who he is because he's going to be a human being. And that's my problem with this. Sean I think the whole Mister Wilford, short, well, Sean Bean, like you know, don't get me wrong, but there is almost going to be um, a a kind of deflating element to it. I think because you can only hype someone up so much, and especially in the TV show, when you're hyping up someone that's been nowhere, that hasn't been on screen at all, and literally uh, you're being hyped up to be this like majestic sort of like. There's even a point where uh, Melanie says at the very end, like you know. Um, she inherited uh, the creation. She wasn't the creator. She just inherited this. And I found that quite poignant in respect of um, that I feel like Wilford is almost like this godlike caricature. And it's left to the the people that have to deal with like the day-to-day human psychology of normal people. Um, he, He has kind of been put on this pedestal so that to me now is I'm a bit fearful of like when Wilfred does come into fruition, because I do think whatever he's being like um, laid out to be is not going to is not going to be our interpretation of what that is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But we, we are st- we're going on the complete assumption that we actually do get to see that's a- true a physical Mr. Wilford. We could be completely wrong about that. Don't I think, think we, we are. I, I think uh, literally. Think I think the, the last episode will be draw all open. Sean Sean Bourne will be there, and his little little eyes will open, and that will be it. And it will like cut to black, and that will be like now. Wait for series two. Mm. That's what I think. I but. think if they introduce him, it'll be a bit more. But anyway, yeah. uh, 
Getting back yeah. to the episode. Yeah, um, you're right. They are, they have. So I if if we do see Wilford, I'm very intrigued how they play it and just to see just just where does all this charm come from. Mm. But then we also have like as well Miles, um, you know, from the last episode as well. We were, we were finding out like, you know, what did uh, Melanie say to him? Uh, as a last kind of passing comment. And we kind of get the same thing with Josie. Um, so, you know, uh, we find out that Miles has been like fast tracked to be an engineer uh, as a kind of reward. He gets like an orange in the, in the kind of uh, carriage where all the children are. And it's, the orange is like the most sacred of things. And he kind of relishes this, but obviously the orange was poisoned um, to make him throw up. Maybe it was a laxative. I don't know, but you know, he's kind of brought forward um into the uh medical center or the medical carriage where we know the the doctor whose name i don't know yet i don't think we've actually been given the name but dr pelton okay dr pelton um and then josie's there um and she whispers something to him uh what do you think that was brendan i don't know it's obviously going to be the spark of the revolution because now we have a, a tail ender who's in the engine um and melanie has like been like you know almost wheeling him into this position where and she even says to him like at the very end of the episode like you know there there must be sacrifices blah 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 do you think uh, they're gonna they're gonna let him know that wilfred isn't real or that he isn't there or he's not alive or whatever it may be like no no i don't think they'll let miles in on or do you think it will be more of a kind of I mean, it was leverage. It's leverage uh, against later, and I think essentially that's what it's kind of boiled down to: is that the fact is like there's going to be a moment where Melanie turns around and says, "I have Miles. I can end his life whenever I like. Um, stop this revolution, or something along those lines." Yeah, uh, and that's what the the leverage is. Um, but uh, yeah, so he goes off and. Um, we yeah, uh, we find out that Josie Josie gets uh, sold out by Zara. Uh, we saw that coming, didn't we? Though, mm, not really. Do you not think? Not till we, this episode. We, we no. knew we couldn't trust Zara. I think we knew we couldn't trust her. I didn't think it, she would sell them out now. Um, oh, you thought it might be something that came later on. Yeah, I thought it would be something more to do with a, a more direct kind of. Uh, confrontation confrontation yeah. between Josie yeah. uh, and and the thing with Leighton and Leighton's baby which we I suppose we yeah. don't have to we really worry about about, yeah. about that anyway um now that we know what happened to Josie well yeah let's let's get into it so Melanie uh Zara um, I have to say I'm gonna start this yeah I was shocked that they killed Josie were you yeah I, I was, was I'll be honest I my expecting that at okay. all okay I was I'll be honest I I kind of felt after after the fact that when she whispered her sweet nothings into Miles's ear I kind of thought to myself what has Josie got to to kind of offer now and it didn't surprise me in the slightest because also at the same time okay, that they okay, okay, they I'll, do make I'll, a kind I'm of gonna, hold on, No just, no that's just, just my for a that, second just for a yeah. second before this episode did you have any inkling that they would kill off Josie so soon or in the next episode? 
Mm. I mean, obviously, as t- this episode went on, you kind of got more and more realization of there was two things in this episode, right? That kind of shocked me. One, it was Josie dying eventually, uh-huh. but two, Melanie kind of went full blown evil in this episode. Well, I think, all right, here's my interpretation. I think they had to kill someone. Uh, due to the fact that the last uh, episode's events were like the train almost derailed and, you know, no one died, um, they had to kind of like up the stakes. Um, it was almost inevitable that it had to be Josie because like, you know, they had that almost like moment with Leighton and her at the very beginning where she's like looking in the mirror going like, you know, I'm almost like getting ready to work. This is almost normal. And it's almost foreshadowing that kind of yeah, like, there I've was got, a lot, I got, there I got was three a lot days of retirement. Yeah. It's like that Murtaugh thing, like, you know, in like Lethal Weapon, where he's like, I got, I got three days of retirement. And like, you know, the old cop dies type of thing. Is that, it was that kind of like thing going on that maybe subconsciously I picked up on. Um, but however, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a little bit shocking. Um, but there is a point where she's defiant to the end. So Melanie takes her into the interrogation room. Um, and listen, like Josie's not going to sell them out. Melanie knows that she's not going to tell. So it becomes this almost this weird hierarchical, like, you know, I need to do the next thing in order for you to tell me what I need to know. So she kind of like busts out a kind of weird, I don't know what you want to call it, like um, vent to the outside uh, yeah. where she can like spread some liquid nitrogen or whatever you want to call it cold um, air that's just cold, cold, air, cold air just cold air baby and then like she takes off her pinky finger to begin with um and then obviously like you know uh best so yeah just a little bit of torture to start with you know just a bit of torture that's what you need as you, as you do yeah but then uh what i liked about josie's end was that she went out fighting man yeah like she yeah. went out like she literally froze her whole hand just so she could get out of the uh, the clasps or the handcuffs, if you will, um, to take on Melanie. And there was there was I, I tell you what the, the my most interesting point of it. I was actually there thinking, "Ooh, what if Melanie died now?" Because I actually <laughs> did think like Melanie could die, and I was like, "Wow, that's." But obviously, like she uh, breaks away from her grasp and gets out of the room, and the room turns into like this ice cube, uh, ice cube. Um, but. Josie's death didn't have the impact on me that I thought it might have done. Um, I think it was more the kind of case of like the stakes have been raised now. Uh, Leighton, you know, there was a moment where Leighton's in this like dark room and he's like doing it. It almost, I, I did laugh a little bit there because it almost became like pantomime, like I'm in a dark room of emotion and I'm, 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 I'm shattered out but my that, emotion right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that was the whole point of that. I scene. know. I remember it's got Lady Audrey who's singing the what's the song? I recognize. Um, oh, did you recognize the song? I I, I didn't yeah. really recognize. The song, um, but anyway, but the, you know sh- that is the whole point of the that scene and the song. Everybody in the crowd is sat there crying. It's this dark. It's kind of like it yeah. was a symbolic scene. melancholic sort yes. of like yeah 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 was the song the scene late and josie's death it all kind of it was very kind of a yeah symbolic so to speak um and then lj comes in to have her have her experience and then uh Leighton, uh turns around and goes oh you want to know the dirtiest secret of this trade i got the dirtiest secret for you uh, <laughs> like uh, 
recruitment. That's him recruiting. Oh, of course, definitely. Like the revolution. LJ is going to now plant the seed of doubt in the first class, which I, I do like. I like the fact that he's now working with um, her. Yeah. Working with her to a certain degree. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We're, we'll see how it goes. Assumption yeah. that's what's going to go. Also, we kind of missed out the fact that um, Beth helped Josie. Uh, yes. So Beth Till. How did she help her, really? Because she froze her hand so that she could attack Oh, oh okay. Did you not yeah. get it? No, I, I kind of just assumed that because, like, when she said, like, oh, what's your name, Bess? And then like, she said, like, Bess, like, you know, oh, no, she did, yeah, because she said, like, um, the final some, thing she there's said something else you can do. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Definitely, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of shock with the arm. But I was shocked by Melanie's brutality in this. I know I they wasn't. I know they tried to kind of, like, almost appease it by showing the scene where she's getting sick in the... Um, in, oh, the, in, the, toilet. in yeah. the toilet after it because you know it's been so hard for her to do that but mm, it didn't that didn't kind of make sense for me because it's kind of like you're um, full blown if you're telling me that there was no one on that train who Melanie could have got to do that for her yeah but once again I think this comes down to the control aspect I think like because like, there's a part where Nolan comes up and he goes like why, why did you do the interrogation like without me um, and that's because Melanie wants complete and utter control. It's and I get of the that. Oh, because of the secret, of course. But also at the same time, we don't yet understand what Melanie... There's there's literally a point here, and they make a point of it, where Josie says, like, you know, uh, what's your past? Like, you know, what's happened to you to make you do this? And we get the fact that there's... like Maybe there'll be, like, a revelation. I hope... I literally, I do really hope, and this would be my hope, that they actually do a kind of standalone episode where we just find out all about Melanie. Because yeah. I'm intrigued by her character. Yeah, totally, totally. There's a point where, where she says... There's definitely a kid involved, 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw the, we saw the baby. Like, we've yeah. seen, like, clues leading up to, like, what could happen. But there's a point where she's so duty-bound... To the point of fanaticism, which intrigues me. Like she said, I think she even says to um, uh, she says to Josie, like when it comes down to it, really, is it duty to the train or duty to each other? And like that's the kind of that's the flip flop juxtaposition, I guess, if you will. Like Josie's all about you know for the fellow man and like almost like this kind of Marxist sort of style of philosophy of like you know let's have all these carriages that are open to everyone, whereas uh, Melanie is like these are the rules that were set down upon me. I don't necessarily agree with them. And she even says to Josie, like, I would have done it. I could have done it better. But this was the this was the creation that I was I inherited. And I think that's a fascinating sort of like subject matter for a kind of uh, antagonist sort of character to have. Like she's they've been like, what, doing this for seven years now. Um, and you see that like Melanie has kind of kept the light. She's towed the line to her rendition of what duty is and what the train means and all this kind of stuff. And I respect that and I can understand that. But obviously she's losing control. And like throughout the start of this whole series, she's been losing control. And it's it's really been her kind of like scrabbling to con gain control. And I think for me personally, like I see Melanie dying in the series. I do see her dying. But if I want to see her die... No, she uh, signed up for season two, mate. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah. Well, personally, in, in a kind of story sense, it would make sense for Melanie to die because, like, um, she's been trying to 
be in control for so long and now that the control is sort of ebbing away from her um i like to see i like to see when characters are you know flawed characters and melanie is the perfect flawed character that's why i enjoy her so much because she's trying to ascertain this control so much that it's just like it's literally slipping through her fingers like sand um and like when you have someone like Layton who's just like you know now he's just lost you know his love so he's going to be he's going to be like propelled uh through emotional responses and it's that's what I kind of like about the Snowpiercer TV series. It's really the TV series has really surprised me. I'll be honest; it has surprised me in the kind of lengths and breadths it has gone to for like different people's characteristics, but also Absolutely. kind of like, in a, a this episode, sense. You know? Yeah, totally. This episode was really good because you got to see other sides. The easiest way of putting it is character development. There mm. really is character development, even if it's slow and subtle and little things. But we learn an awful lot about Ruth in this one. Yeah, uh, we learn an awful lot about. I've I've looked it up. It's Commander Gray, Commander the guy. Um, oh, is his name? Is it Gray Nolan or? Yeah, I think or Nolan Gray. Nolan Gray yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we learned a bit about him. You know, we learned a, a little bit about the backstory of his wife. We mm. learned. You know, we learned more about, um, and it's not in your face, like it's not, no, it's not it's like subtle and subtle, it's, yeah. It's, it's done really well. You know, we learned a little bit about Miss or a little bit more about Miss Audrey this week and kind of yeah. her motivations. You know, we learned again, we learned a little bit more about LJ. Um, mm. we noticed as well, they, they just hinted upon stuff up in the first class now, where it looks like the other people in first class now seem to be shunning. The Folger. Son in the Folger family, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of got an awful lot of kind of introductions and really, really good, interesting character development is the way is the, I think the best mm. way to. A till as well, you know that that moment with Josie where yep. Josie basically says to her, "You're one of us. Mm. I know you're one of us." And she's kind of like, what do you mean? I think she's, I forget the line, but there is definitely a line there where she's like, what do you mean one of you? She's like, you know, you're, you are one of us. And Yeah, your deep. actions have basically made you one of us. Like, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter if yeah. you're a brakeman or anything like that. Yeah. It's the kind of case of like, you have, you've helped a fellow man. And that's, once again, once again, as I was saying, like, that's the, I think that's the, that's really the kind of point of this whole episode really was to kind of like you have like melanie's character who is like very duty bound and you have like josie's character who's very much for the people and it's like um that's really what snowpiercer is about is it like the kind of um the fate of all you know living in a kind of there's there's subtle and that's what i like about as well there's subtle kind of politics going on behind the background that they don't show you that you may not know that you may not even know about like you know marxist sort of theories and stuff like that but that kind of like uh, resonates uh, throughout the whole kind of concept of like class divisions and stuff like that, which yeah, is very I'll... good in a kind of way that like, you know, you don't have to know anything about uh, history, um, but this is kind of subtly bringing stuff out, which isn't shoving it down your throat, which I like. I like that. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go as to far as far as to say um, a kind of Marxist side to it, but it's definitely it. it it's all about equality and it's all, yeah. it really focuses on that and it it focuses on a class system mm. um, 
But it I gets like people to be, and that's, it, that's it the does best totally, thing. And it does get you thinking, and like, especially due to the fact that this is a strict scenario on a train where mm. th- you must be on the train to stay alive. Yeah, that's there's no there's no other. If so, buts. Yeah, you're, you're there, or you're dead. Be, you need to be on the train, or you're dead. And it's kind of like, how does the class system work within that? And you know. What I like about it is it's it, it does make you question yourself. It makes you say, do you know what? Do they need this class system for the tech for for it all to work? Mm. Do you know when you see little kind of and and that's kind of a, me- a very Melanie point of view. But you've seen it. You've seen that, and that's the way the storyline has kind of gone. You've had your initial kind of tail rebellion which is kind of like brought you know in essence brought Leighton up for a murder investigation we've seen the impact that has had on the train it's affected the first class we it, you know it brought around the trial which then brought mm-hmm. you know more division between the classes between the third class and the first class but it's also shown the division it's caused in the in the first class as well with them shunning the folges they can't have beef anymore because the beef truck's gone yeah and, you know you know it's kind of like if you break the balance the train won't work mm. and they've They've what's the, what's the kind of like uh, the loosest? Was it the the weakest chain and the link? Um... I don't know. You're always the one for the science, but it normally takes uh, yeah. ten minutes to remember. Probably, it. yeah. What is it? What is it? I don't know. It's something about the leakage chain, and like if you have like a metal chain the and there's like link a leak, the link in the chain. It's the same type of thing, but in this kind of respect, it's lives. Like as you say, you were talking yeah. about like, the bovine carriage and like you know the cows and stuff like that. If that goes out, and like she says as well, like um, there's a point where. Um, which I, I actually found really... about not having steak. No, 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 no. That the point way. where Josie's just died and then she turns around and she's like, um, uh, bring her to like the compass or whatever, like, you know, recycle her body because any death, you know, and there's that level of like methodical thinking of like, even though she's died, even though this person who I've literally killed, we still have to recycle because she's thinking of the train. She's thinking she's of like... The system, the circle yeah. of... So to speak, yeah, to a point, but it's it's also, yeah, it's just I, I just find it fascinating and find it interesting. So, um, you know what one thing just before we kind of finish up, I did notice, and it kind of brought me back to something I mentioned after a couple of episodes. Yeah. But do you remember a while back? I think it was after maybe the third episode or something. I said there was a slight cheap feel to it. Yeah, I noticed something this week, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, and this kind of, kind of slightly justifies my my comment there in regards to. But when we had the whole uh, miles getting moved from the school up to the front of the train, right? I was expecting to see a bit of a journey there. I was expecting to see us miles being introduced to elements of the train, right? So here's maybe the you know the the, the vegetable room. Here's this. I think there's only, and I, I, if, if maybe you can help out here, I think they only actually show about six carriages in the whole train. Oh, yeah, definitely. You've got first class, right? The reason I say this is because we keep on going back to the same places as well. We've got the first, of course. Got yeah, first yeah. class restaurant. We've got the, uh, as in the dining room. Then we've got the first class sushi bar. 
right? Mm. Then we've got the... And the sushi bar is part of the aquarium. So is that where Ruth and uh, Nolan yeah. were having their little yeah. meal? Their little yeah. day? Okay. We've got the <clears throat> night car. Yeah. We've got that third-class car, which seems to be almost like a kind of a CD alleyway-type scenario, right? We've got the tail. We're on five. We're the, You've got the, the third-class restaurant cart, which is six. You've got the medical facility with the with the, um, the the drawers seven, and then you've got the front of the train eight. I can't think of any more. Are you looking for a daredevil esque? It's style? a thousand and one carriages. <laughs> well, to I be know, fair, but come on. And they keep on telling us that there's a thousand and one carriages. We've seen seven. But there's they do seven allude. episodes. Yeah, I know, but they do allude. Like, there's a, there's a point in this episode where Leighton turns oh, around to someone goes, "Oh, they've got a bowling alley. Like they've got yeah, one carriage for a bowling alley." Yeah. Oh, why do you have? Great. Why do we have to see it? Oh, we don't necessarily have to see the bowling alley, but part of what I I want and I'll, I, what I'll summarize with: if we don't see any new carriages before the end of the season, I will be annoyed with that. I'll think that's a bit shit. Can you not use your imagination? Well, that's the whole point that's of it, I think. A thousand and one carriages. Can they not use their imagination? Okay, I will be honest. I, will, I would love it if they did do like a Daredevil-esque sort of style scene where it's like a one-shot where they're literally going from carriage to carriage to carriage and all those carriages are different. You know, like an old boy yeah. sort of like yeah. thing where like Leighton is... Where the revolution happens, if it happens, whatever, regardless... And it's like going from like, he just opens the door and he's into another carriage and we, well, we're we following this and he's into another carriage. I would love to see that. Oh. And if it's done in the kind of way that is like, as you said, like new carriages, that for me would vindicate. I think they basically, I know you said it before about like being cheap and all that kind of stuff. I think they've just been using their budget to what they've but had. Totally, um, totally, totally. But, but they've, what, uh, they've obviously alluded. I, I know, I, I understand what budget. you mean. I, I think once again, though, they, they have alluded to certain areas. I think they could have done a bit more of it in the respect of what they've done with like Mr. Wilford. Um, they could have like bigged up certain carriages that like we never see, but only like, um, you know, sort of like um mentioned about like you could have like a jacuzzi carriage or you could have like a kind of you know uh snow carriage or something like you know that, that kind of thing so I, i'd love if they refer to that more so it gives they imperceptibly did have, fair, they did have a snow carriage in this episode well they did yeah that's true but true. like if they if they imperceptibly do that to the audience that kind of like subconsciously makes you feel that there are more carriages as opposed to what you're seeing and there's a lot of shots as well like you know when you see the outside of the snow pierce and all that kind of stuff you never see a thousand and one carriages you just see probably like 10 or something like that if they did a few more like cutaways from outside of like the actual whole like they did like a whole like you know ring of like the carriages like very far up then at least it'd give you some scope as the thousand and one carriages um i I, I want to see inside them of course, like everyone does, like you know. I don't expect thing. all the thousand and one, but I expect. No, as I said, we've had seven episodes. We'd have we've had seven carriages. I expect more than that. Yeah, maybe we'll get that Martin Scorsese one shot. Maybe we won't. I, I'm thinking that we probably won't. But um, yeah, never know. You never know. Season two will have a bigger budget. We'll, we'll have <laughs> eight carriages. Anyway, we have rambled on enough, Brendan. So we will wrap things up now. Um, you can join us on our Instagram, on our Twitter, inside your screen. 
Uh, we're on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on all the kind of other promotional. Uh, I always forget what they are. What are they, Brendan? <laughs> I always forget. We're on, the, we're on all the other podcast sites. So we're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. Apple, we are on YouTube. So on YouTube, we've got all our kind of uh, Snowpiercer episodes, all our bite-sized episodes. You've got loads of gaming videos up there, some really cool gaming videos. If you want to see the first three hours of The Last of Us, Tony's got a playthrough there of or The Last of Us 2, the brand new game from Naughty Dog. There's a There's a video up there. It's got, if you're a fan of Killing Eve and you only tune into this, we, we reviewed the entire latest series of Killing Eve. There's loads of stuff for you to get involved in, to, to listen, hours of amazing uh, content. Just just search inside your screen and we'll be there. And join the bait. We want to hear your comments. We want to know what you think about um, Killing Eve and we want to know what you feel about uh, uh, Snowpiercer. So let us know in the comments below and we'll see you next week with our next episode of Snowpiercer. Inside your dreams.